1: Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you.
0: It's The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. My next guest is a comedian who co-created and starred in the hit comedy series, Catastrophe. He's written a new book, A Heart That Works. Please welcome to The Late Show, Rob Delaney. Um, uh, nice to meet you. It's so great nice to meet you. meet you. I mean, I certainly admired your work before. Oh, Catastrophe and a uh, brief but memorable appearance in Deadpool 2, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you're, no, people know you as a comedian, but you started off yeah. in a the musical theater. I when did. did. When did that... When, when, and how did that change happen? So, we were doing a national
1: tour—a bus and truck national mm-hmm. tour. Okay, everybody knows what that means. Of, of Camelot, and uh, were, you, were, were you Lancelot? I was Sir Lancelot. If yes. ever I should leave you, <laughs> I wouldn't do it in springtime, um, <laughs> and uh, or any of the other seasons. I can see but, you as a Robert Goulet. Thank you. Yes. Uh, but so we were doing that tour, and our bus broke down. In Virginia one day when we were trying to get to West Virginia to do a show and we didn't know if we would make it uh, But they got a replacement bus to us in time and we barely made it like we got The show started at 7:30, and we got there at like 7:32, So we had to do a sound check before we went on just to calibrate the mics So yeah. the three people who have to sound check are guinevere king arthur and sir lancelot So you go out you sing a couple bars and you'd say a couple lines of dialogue so guinevere did that then arthur then I came out and I was like, "Wait! They just like did some dialogue from the play, totally spoiling it for these people who came and so the got a baby. there." Yeah, they're there. We had to do it in front of the audience. Yeah, important detail I left out. But, uh, <laughs> so they sound check in front of them, and then I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to tell them any of the dialogue. I don't want them to know the story of Camelot before we begin, like they didn't already know it." And uh, it's just like 2,500 old ladies in the audience. I don't like, want them to know along. what shape
0: the table is. Precisely. <laughs>
1: And uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say some stuff about our day and about how our bus broke down on the bank of the Elbow River in Virginia. And so I did. And I just told them a little bit about our day. And people laughed. And I was like, oh, I don't do musical theater anymore. I, now I do comedy. Like, I thought the I said a thing. Oh.
0: That's the drug right there. Yeah, because yeah. musical
1: theater was like, you know, toke on some garbage weed, but yes. making people laugh with yes. things that you thought of yourself, that sure. was the tie-me-off, you know, the, yeah. good, the spoon,
0: the good stuff. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dark image, <laughs> but I agree. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> well, you, you have a new book. Mm-hmm. It's called A Heart That Works, yeah. and it, it's a memoir. It's, it's funny, and it's painful, and yeah. it's really about love, and often the, the, the pain yeah. of love. And, and Tell the people what it's about.
1: Yeah, so um, my third son, Henry, uh, around the time of his first birthday, uh, got sick. And we didn't know what it was, and it took a while to get it diagnosed. It turned out to be a brain tumor, and he uh, was... He got, you know, he had a big surgery and then chemotherapy and was disabled by the surgery to remove the tumor. Um, and then we had, you know, some time in the hospital, uh, f- 14 months in hospital, and then seven additional months at home, and then his tumor returned... And he died. So uh, that's what it's about. And it's about, you know, the time before and after that and how our family navigated it all.
0: That that pain of a parent losing their child mm-hmm. um, uh, is something that people don't really even want to imagine. It's yeah. such a pain, pain, especially if you have children of your own. It's, yeah. it's too hard to contemplate. But you you, you write that grief, quote, makes me want to make you understand. Yeah. What, do you, what, is, it you, what is it you want people to understand, and, and why is it so important for you to make us understand?
1: So I think losing a child is is accurately billed as the worst thing that could happen to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you, we well, you immediately felt, you know, plucked out of, you know, the regular human race and just put over here and felt so separate and different and, and not understood... And, but we had also learned something so profound. We had seen sort of more deeply into the mechanism of life and love and fear and pain than, than we ever had before. And I don't know, we kind of wanted to come back to humanity, but we felt we had to, needed like translator devices and stuff before we could, you know, mesh with other people again. And so it was, um, I WANTED TO WRITE SOMETHING THAT HELPED KIND OF BRIDGE THAT GAP BETWEEN, YOU KNOW, SOMETHING THAT MANY PEOPLE WOULD RIGHTFULLY CONSIDER UNIMAGINABLE. AND, uh, YOU KNOW, REGULAR JOE'S JUST mm-hmm. WALKING DOWN THE STREET WHISTLING, YOU KNOW, NOT KNOWING WHAT THAT STUFF IS LIKE.
0: WELL, YOUR SON PASSED, would BE FIVE YEARS AGO THIS JANUARY, RIGHT? YEAH. He, HE PASSED ON YOUR BIRTHDAY, I UNDERSTAND.
1: HE DID. HE DID DIE ON MY BIRTHDAY, um, WHICH... When he died on my birthday, my wife and I both sighed a big sigh of relief because one of my other son's birthdays is a few days later, and we were like, "Oh, thank God he didn't die on Oscar's birthday," because a little boy having having his brother die sure. and then having his birthday torpedoed. So yes, my birthday was destroyed, and I don't have one anymore. I'm now ageless, um, <laughs> but. It's, it's interesting because now, of course, on my birthday, I don't think about my birthday. I think about him, and it's a, it's a
0: special feeling that hurts. Five years actually isn't that long a time. No. And I'm, I'm curious, you say about returning, you know, to sort of mm-hmm. being feeling separated. And I know that many people who have suffered great loss, and I, of course, put in that, um, they talk about the loneliness of grief. Sure. And the inability to make a connection with other people who haven't had that experience before, yeah. um, and, and certainly the feeling is, I don't want you to experience this, yeah. but I wish you know what it felt. I wish you knew what it felt like, because yeah. then I would be less lonely. Precisely. How, how you know? How did you first, or how do you and your wife, and I assume you're two other boys, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you first explain it? Like, is there is there a way that you first try to explain what this loss is like?
1: So that is, of course, very difficult. And you, as someone who has experienced profound loss, will understand words, I know I just wrote a book about it, but words are so much less useful than actions, you know? And uh, so so we sort of relax into the understanding. We won't be able to explain it because it's impossible, you know? Mm -hmm. So you do become a lot more comfortable with mystery and questions after a loss like this.
0: And what's the mystery for you?
1: what's the mystery for me
0: well you
1: see deeper you like see through the veil and so i know you see like the shapes and outlines of things that are much bigger and and power more powerful than what's happening in this day-to-day our corporeal form and life
0: that's the veil sort of the quotidian concerns of the day
1: yeah so you so you really get to put your hand through and PUT YOUR HAND ON THE PULSE OF SOMETHING MUCH MORE SORT OF MAJESTIC AND TERRIFYING AND BEAUTIFUL.
0: WHAT IS THAT THING, IF I MAY ASK? I mean, IT
1: MIGHT BE LOVE, YOU KNOW. I MEAN, A BIG PROBLEM FOR ME IS THAT uh, MY, I DON'T KNOW, FAITH ORGAN OR WHATEVER IS, is GROWING IN THE YEARS AFTER HIS DEATH, and, um, and, AND THERE'S A LOT OF LOVE HAPPENING INSIDE OF ME THAT I DIDN'T EXPECT. I MEAN, I STARTED OUT VERY ANGRY, YOU KNOW. WHEN I FIRST STARTED WRITING THIS BOOK, I WAS LIKE, I WANT TO HURT people. You know, I wanna I wanna mm. pummel people. Somebody went to the book for, went to the bookstore for entertainment. Well, they deserve to be punished by my book about my sadness mm. and my anger. And and then over time, it just became more and more about love. So it was very educational for me. Uh, How about your boys?
0: It's going to be tough for siblings please, because yeah. they're so young. How old were
1: they when he asked? Uh, they were three and five. Oh, I'm God. sorry. Forgive me. They were four and six. Four and six. Yeah. So
0: so I mean know him, have, oh, yeah. have a relationship with him. Yeah. How how did you explain them or prepare them for this? Uh, well you learn that you can't.
1: I mean a big realization for me watching them prepare for their brother to die and then grieving as I as I really realized, oh, you really don't learn anything in the in the decades between childhood and middle age that equip you to deal with this, right? You're no better equipped to deal with it than they are. At all. You're hairier, you're more forgetful. <laughs> That's about it. So, there, the way that they dealt with it was instructive to us, you know, um, and beautiful. I mean, at, at one point I remember visiting, uh, or, or not visiting, I was there all the time, but in taking our, my oldest son, Eugene, home from the hospital after being with Henry for a while. And he just went bananas on me uh, at age five and just started physically attacking me because he was so angry and upset. And so I just sat there like a punching bag, you know, and then he started crying and then kind of nuzzled up like a much younger kid into my arms. And you realize, like, that's a very healthy thing to do if you're that age and deal with it, you know? And, like... (laughs) Like, I remember walking, um, coming into the kitchen and looking out the back window and seeing in the garden... um, that same boy stabbing with a kitchen knife a cardboard box from, like, a package that he had written the word tumor on it and, like, not spelled it correctly, but was just stabbing a box that said tumor on it. And normally you'd, like, go take a kitchen knife away from your young child, but I was like, (laughs) good work, son. You know, that's... that's, You know, adults should do stuff like that because we try to stumble through and act like we're all right.
0: Here you are with your son, Henry... Right there. Tell me about him.
1: Well, he's very beautiful. I miss his ears in my mouth. Um, all my children's ears have spent an insane amount of time <laughs> in my mouth. You have to put your kids' ears in your mouth a lot, I think, is a big part of parenting. Mm-hmm. So Henry, um, Henry was the third boy in a, right, right in a row. So there's not quite two years between the first two, then just over two years between Oscar and Henry. And um, so... You know, our house was pretty crazy with all these little boys, and he he seemed to know right away he would have to be very serene and magnetic, and he wasn't, like, a screamer or a, I'm going to compete for attention. Mm-hmm. He would just be like a little sweet potato and magnetize you toward him. And so very lovely. Um, uh, but then, you know, 11 months before he became very visibly ill um, and and vomiting a lot, which I should say it is. A, can be a symptom of a brain tumor, uh, for anybody, but for, particularly for, uh, a young kid who can't explain, like, you or I would be like, hey, there's this pressure in my head, or, you know, I'm having trouble seeing, but someone who can't talk can't do that, and so it was very hard to diagnose, um, and, uh, this tumor was next to his brainstem and cranial nerves. So to get it out, they had to damage his brainstem. The doctors did an amazing job, but they're, to get every bit of this terrible malignant tumor. So he was quite disabled afterwards, and he had to relearn a lot of skills, or even learn some of them, because he was so young, he hadn't even done a lot of the stuff that we do with these bodies. And... Um, so then he became the hardest worker I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it, just astonishing to watch his drive as he learned how to do stuff and did his physical therapy. I mean, like, okay, one way that my wife and I can make each other smile is by saying the phrase high kneeling because Henry had to learn. He'd be, like, down here, and then when he would do high kneeling, which was one of his activities, we would, like, cheer. like we're, It was like the Super Bowl, freaking out, watching him high kneel. You know, so, like, and it it was just so beautiful to see the aspiration and the drive and the life in him was just amazing. And it was funny and mischievous. He would steal pens from nurses. He would summon different, like, a nurse. He'd be with one nurse and then make another one come in from the hallway. And he he had a a, a tracheostomy um, because his nerves that controlled his swallowing were damaged. So he had to learn sign language very quickly, and he did. His frontal lobe wasn't damaged at all. He was considerably smarter than either of us. And uh, he, we would make him come in, and, and he would go like this, which meant it's time for you to sing me "Incy Weensy Spider," as they say in London, where I live. Here, it's it, that means "itsy bitsy" in American English. Over there, it's "incy weensy, just yeah, so you that's understand. That's "itsy bitsy" and metric. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so he, he, he would make everybody sing him "itsy incy weensy spider," and um, yeah, steal their pens and you know make them kiss him. I mean, he was uh, just magical. Well, Rob.
0: So lovely to meet you. Thank you for being here. And, And thank you for telling the story. It's so important for you to be able to share that with other people and for them to learn it. Thank you very much. The book is A Heart That Works. It's on sale now. Rob Delaney, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives.